Okay, well, let's, uh, let's get going this for this morning. Uh, we're continuing on in our series uh, out of Matthew. So uh, we'll be in chapter 8 uh, this week. We've been in chapters 5 through 7 over the past few weeks. Yeah, so uh, one of the things that I was thinking about last night as I was considering the, the talk and, and just how the sermons have been going over the past um, almost two months now is just how much there is in Matthew. Uh, there, is, there is a lot in uh we could have spent, we decided to do a chapter per week, and we could have easily spent several weeks per chapter. Um, there's just so much in there, and James and I were talking about this at lunch a few days ago as I was uh, kind of telling him a little bit about what I was thinking for this this sermon. And uh, again, there's just, there's so much in there, and we're coming out of this uh, Sermon on the Mount right, which wasn't one individual uh, teaching. It was a culmination of, of a bunch of different sermons uh, that Matthew records for us. And who was Matthew's audience? Jews, right, his fellow Jews, right? You sound like you were at a pep rally. <laughs> Jews, okay. But why is that important for us to know? Why is it important for us to know who his audience is? I'm really asking, so somebody answer. Yeah, it's going to affect what he emphasizes, what he's teaching about. There's a message behind that. It's it's important to understand the context of any of these talks. Uh, Remember, it's it's dangerous to take one little group of scriptures or even one specific scripture and try and build some huge case out of that for what you may or may not believe. We see that a lot in the church, and we have to be careful of that. So it's important to understand uh, as a whole. Uh, and uh, let me finish that thought. It's important to understand as a whole uh, the context and what Matthew is trying to get across here, and, and what he's talking about. So do you think that the first thing that Matthew tells us coming out of the Sermon of the Mount carries with it some kind of purpose and importance? Yeah, absolutely. It's important for us, and as I was kind of studying up and getting uh, my notes together for this talk, uh, that kept coming up. It's like, okay, so there was this time of teaching, right? Uh, There's three chapters. Who knows how many sermons that actually was? Jesus did a lot of teaching, and he's creating a lot of shifting kind of pivot points for his audience. Remember, he's saying, you've heard it said this. But I tell you this, and he's really trying to create a pivot point for them in their mind to understand um, who Jesus was. And this is something that we continue to try and understand today as we you know, put ourselves in our context and our uh, place and time to understand who Jesus is, who he was, how that impacts how we live today. Because you've heard us talk before, it's It's a little crazy to think we're giving our lives to a Jew that was crucified 2,000 years ago. We're saying, based on his life and who he was, we're going to let our lives, we want our lives to be a reflection of that. And it's, again, you think about that, it's like, what does that even mean? How does that look for us in in 2024? And so open uh, your Bible, if you've got that with you, um, to um, Matthew chapter 8. And so, yeah, I told James, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do like a summary because there's a lot about healing in uh, Matthew chapter 8. If you look through, almost all the sections are 
uh, about healing. There's a, a little section about the cost of following Jesus. And, and um, as I got into it and dug more into it, I only got four verses in <laughs> to the whole chapter. There's, there's a lot. <laughs> James is laughing. Uh, there's 34 chapters that I was going to try and create a, you know, some kind of summary for. And I didn't do that. I got four chap or four verses in and decided to to stop there. So, uh, so we're gonna read this. I think it's uh, pretty powerful for us. It's 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 fairly meat and potatoes gospel. Um, but I kept kind of going back and even wrestling a little bit with God about the the topic and just kept coming back to. I feel like we need to hear this. I feel like we need to be reminded of this. And so I'm going to read this. We have uh, the scripture up here for you to, to follow along. And then we're actually going to watch the uh, chosen uh, rendition of this, the, the video, um, so that uh, we can kind of get a, a visual on what this might have looked like. So let's read from Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. And then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So let's watch the, the video. If you'll cue up, make sure the sound's up. Uh, we'll watch this. And uh, if you don't mind shutting the light off there behind you, Joel. Thanks. To spoil this beautiful day or anything, huh? <laughs> Come on. It's a leper. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. Rabbi, 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 if you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you could do. I know you can heal me if you are willing. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 
I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. What can I... What can I ever do? No. Do not say anything to anyone. You don't seek your own honor? Please just do me this one thing. But what do I tell people? Go. Show yourself to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way. Who has an extra tunic? Just one of you, just one of you. That's enough. Green is definitely your color. <laughs> Not too shabby. <laughs> Took me about 10 minutes after I watched that for the first time to kind of recover from from seeing it, you know. It's just powerful. So I don't I don't think we can overstate the significance of Jesus' interaction with this man. So we don't see this in the video, but the uh, the scripture tells us that there was a large crowd following Jesus as he came in contact with this person. And so this man shows up. He wasn't supposed to be there. Um, we'll talk more about this in a second, but um, lepers were designated to a certain area and were never to come close to uh, other people. And you saw this a little in the video, but the crowd would have been truly aghast at this point. They would have been completely blown away. A lot of people probably would have started running away, or at least they would have wanted to wanted to run away. And I found this in, in one, of the, um, one of the studies that I used to prep for my sermons, talking a little bit about the disease. Um, and so I want to share with you a little bit of this. It might begin with little nodules with, which go on to ulcerate. The ulcers develop a foul discharge. The eyebrows fall out, the eyes become staring, the vocal cords become ulcerated, and the voice becomes hoarse, and the breath wheezes. The hands and feet always ulcerate. Slowly the sufferer becomes a mass of ulcerated growths. The average course of that kind of leprosy is nine years, and it ends in mental, uh, mental decay, coma, and ultimately death. And there's other uh, accounts and descriptions of skin diseases that were going around at that time in that place. And leprosy was a, a range, uh, a word that covered a range of different skin diseases. But the point being that this was not a pretty disease. And the physical aspect of it was terrible. But the social consequences in ancient Israel really added to the misery of having this disease. These people were completely cut off from society, including their families. They may have had families and had this, you know, come on at a, a time after they had even children and, and a spouse. They had to live uh, outside of town completely alone. 
And so just think of solitary confinement, what we see uh, in our prison system where uh, they take uh, people and put them completely by themselves. I had just a, a little taste of this, not in prison, but on a camping trip. I thought I should clarify. Um, on a camping trip, I went up uh, every uh, year or two. I go up uh, to northern Minnesota and go camping uh, in the Boundary Waters uh, up there. And uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful area. Uh, no motors allowed. It's all paddle and portage. And so series of lakes, you put a canoe in, you uh, paddle across, get out, take your canoe, drag it across to the next lake and do this. Um, and so usually spend four or five days in there. And I went in with a friend and we were staying, uh, I think, six or seven days this time. And I decided on a couple of those days I wanted to go and just be by myself. And um, that was very hard for me. <laughs> I am not a by-yourself kind of guy. I love people. I love um, you know, what God has given me in my relationships. Uh, but I paddled off from my friend uh, one morning and spent uh, almost three days completely by myself. And, and I... I'm not comparing what I went through to what that guy went through. I'm just saying I've experienced some of that loneliness and what it's like to be completely isolated and away uh, from people. And it's really, really hard. And so the law, the Mosaic law, prescribed all of this. Uh, the leper had to wear torn clothing, have his head uncovered, cover his lips or his face from the lips down, and shout unclean anywhere he went. And so just approaching other people, it had to be made known who he was and what he had. Just imagine the shame and um, uh, just, just how horrible that would be. If you want to make a note and look that up later in Leviticus chapter 13, verses 40 and 44 and 45, uh, talk through that. So going back to the scene here for a second. Uh, to the Jew, there would be no more amazing sentence in the New Testament than the simple statement that Jesus stretched out his hand and touched this leopard. So again, you can see now what Matthew is doing. It's starting to become a little more clear for us to understand Matthew giving his uh, account to his fellow Jews. Uh, is starting to show them here something completely earth-shattering. And again, that whole pivot point continues to happen. And I hope you can see just what a big deal this is. And what this diseased man asked for, right? He asked for healing. No, he, he didn't ask for healing. He asked to be cleansed. You notice that in the text? He doesn't say, you can heal me. He says that you can cleanse me. And so if he were to just be healed, he still would have had to go back to the priest and carry out this extensive ritual of cleansing. Leviticus 14, the whole chapter is about what it takes to, um, to be considered clean again. And it could take weeks. And so this man in his desperation asked to be cleansed so that he could be accepted back into his community as soon as possible. Because humans don't do good, cut away from other humans. Imagine for yourself not being able to be around another human at all, ever. This guy wanted to be back with his people first and foremost. And we can look at his approach and I think we can learn some things and there's some lessons for us in this that we can take away. And the first is that the leper came with a humble confidence. 
He came before Jesus. There was no doubt in his mind of Jesus' abilities. He said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. There was only this question of whether or not Jesus would want to do that. Would he want to heal him? And, and if you look at the text here and what he's saying him, to him, there were no demands. He didn't come to him saying, well, if you'll do this for me, then I'll do this. Does that sound familiar? I know it does to me. There was no bargaining with him. There were no empty promises. This idea that as long as you give me something, then I'll give you something in return. And a relationship with God just doesn't work like that. We give everything because God has given everything to us. And it's just this simple statement that he makes in this dire plea. And I kind of get the sense that he was expecting a no. I think he was expecting for Jesus to, to follow along with what all the other rabbis at the time would have done if a leper did approach somebody without shouting unclean or even got close enough to touch, they would have been flogged or beaten or maybe even stoned. But he had the confidence that Jesus would welcome him. Maybe he had heard of his miracles. Uh, the, um, the video we watched, kind of, there's some conjecture there that he had heard about him through his sister. But what the law had always taught was that next to death itself, there was nothing more unclean than this man. And in his desperation and his deep longing for human connection, he decided to take a chance. And again, I think there's this, uh, this lesson for us in this. Because so many times we look at our sinfulness and there's a tremendous amount of shame and, and guilt that goes along with that. And we question whether God's grace is really sufficient to cover what my deal is. And leprosy is often associated biblically with sin. So what are the untouchable parts of your life? What are the areas that make you feel disconnected from people or distant from God? You know, do you dare approach Jesus? Because surely he couldn't possibly forgive what your deal is. You might be thinking, I know he forgives sin, but this deal I have going is just too much. Or I can't stop and then fill in the blank with what your thing is. That has to just irritate God and max out, you know, the forgiveness that we find in Jesus' blood. But most of the time, Maybe all the time, that's just Satan messing with us. He wants us to believe that. He wants us to believe that we can't go to God with what we have. But we know from the Scripture is that we can approach Jesus with humble confidence. And sadly, the big C church, the church as a whole, is often like the crowd that's watching, telling people they're not good enough or cleaned up enough or righteous enough or biblically smart enough to be in a relationship with God. And so we and the people we're thinking about and reaching out to stumble towards him for the millionth time, wondering, you know, will you make me clean? And Jesus' response, I am willing I am willing. Any ordinary man, um, you know, would have, would have turned away from that situation and run as fast as he could. But Jesus didn't hesitate. He reached out. He touched him right where he was in that moment. And what do you think that felt like to that man? Put yourself in his shoes for a second to have not been touched 
in who knows how long, not to even have another human near you. And this man is talking to you, comes face to face with you, reaches out and touches you. You know, we've talked before about the countless health studies that show the benefits of human touch. Um, we've, I've shared with you in a sermon before about this study that they did with 70 or so premature babies um, who were kind of isolated and, um, you know, just kept in their crib. And then about 70 that were picked up every day and hugged on and loved on. And the, the difference for the rest of their lives was significant. You can only imagine how it felt to him to be touched again. We release a hormone as humans called oxytocin that, that kind of courses through our bodies that, that helps us feel a certain way when we have that kind of human touch. And, and I, I love what's not here in Jesus' response. There were no conditions that he set up before he responded to him, before he reached out to touch him. There was no, hey, get your life cleaned up, and then I'll think about letting you come into my presence. You know, there's this absence of all these things that we tend to think about that we build up for ourselves and in our churches to make it to where people can come to God. And I'll guarantee you this guy had some not-so-kind words for God along the way. I'm sure his faith was shaken at times, maybe stood and shook his fist at God. Jesus, surely knowing that, his response is just love. Unconditional love. I'm willing. And what he's saying in this moment, and I think what Matthew is trying to get across to his audience here, is that this is my purpose. This is why I came to bring people back into direct contact with God. Betsy was mentioning this a second ago. That that's his purpose, to bring us back to God. Remember one of his names, Emmanuel, which means God with us. You are in cheerleader mode this morning. You need to see, see Christy for, I know, I know, you're jazzed this morning. So after all that teaching about how to live uh, through those uh, Sermon on the Mount sermons, how to treat people, um, you know, about who he was, he backed it up here with this first act that Matthew shows us. And this is what you can expect from him with your stuff. He can handle it. Your sin is not threatening to Jesus, and He has power and desire to cleanse you. So don't be surprised when people can't handle your stuff, right? Because we get that a lot. We see in this story that exact same thing. How did the crowd respond as this man approached? They couldn't handle it. And I love that Jesus just turns around and He's like, hey, chill. I got this. And, and I want to acknowledge it gets tricky when God's representatives mishandle how they treat God's people. There's a lot of that. You see that. But the Scripture, the Word of God, tells us something different about who God is. Emmanuel, God with us, stepping into our junk, stepping into our day, and helping us understand and make it through. Jesus isn't just people. He is God in the flesh full of love and mercy. And this obligation to love took precedent over up, up, sorry, I can't talk, over all other rules and laws. That's what bubbled to the top. 
Did Jesus know the rules and laws at the time? Certainly he did. And in that moment, something very different happened. The obligation to love took precedent over that. And that's important for us as as ministers and pastors in God's community. That we understand that in our interaction with people. Now, we know, and I want to mention this because it's important, is that we're called out of sin. And so a lot of times, you know, we use a story like this as, uh, as an excuse to go back over and over again, whatever our sin is. No, Jesus is calling us out of that. Remember Romans 6, you know, we died to our sin. Why should we live in it any longer? We're not going to keep doing that. And how could you when you're confronted with what happens to the leper here? And thinking through and knowing that this is what the gospel did for us. There's no more separation between a holy God and sinful humans. Remember in the Old Testament, there were all kind of rules and regulations to keep people out of God's presence. There were only certain people who could even go into God's presence. And what we see here, and remember at Jesus' death, the, the um, veil was torn from the top to the bottom, right? Kind of signifying that God was making a way for us directly to Jesus, or directly to Himself through Jesus. And so again, that's a major pivot point for, uh, for Matthew's audience here. And now we live in fellowship through Jesus. Okay, so that's the meat and potatoes of it. And so I just want you to think for a second, who are the people in your life that need to hear this message? You know, it certainly may be you, and that that is totally understandable. But guys, there's a lot of people in your life who need to hear this message. They need somebody to go and touch them. They need somebody to hear the gospel message and to hear that there's a way through the mess that they're in. But specifically, I just want to pray for a second and, um, and just follow along with me here. Uh, Holy Spirit, move in our hearts right now and show us specifically who uh, in our lives needs to hear this right now. And we pray in Jesus' name. So don't do nothing with what the Spirit just told you. Don't just hear that and let it go. Do something with that. Praise team, you guys can come on up. And ultimately, again, kind of going back to you know what we started with, I think this is what Matthew was ultimately trying to show his fellow Jews, that God was with us, that the separation that they had experienced for so long and lived in for so long was gone. And so again, I hope that uh, whoever the, the Spirit laid on your heart, that you'll think about how you can show that same thing to them. Amen. Thank you, guys. You guys say a prayer with me and let's uh, we'll turn it back over to the praise team. God, thank you for our time this morning and for your message, uh, for the word. Um, it's it's amazing and we love it. And I pray that we can take uh, the ideas behind this story and that we can use it uh, to your benefit and your glory. Uh, may you be praised in our lives, God. In Jesus name. Amen.